It's a little bit confusing, I know, for people because you hear so many different types of dietary advice and what works, what doesn't, when do you count carbs, when do you count calories. So let's really simplify this. I tell people if you're looking to lose weight or keep it off or improve your health, think of this large basket of food on your kitchen table and you're going to select food from there. So, what goes in that basket is the key. Where the confusion does come in is with some of these higher fat foods that are plant based, like avocados or nuts and seeds or olives. Welcome to the Exam Room Live, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for giving the show a listen or a view or a download. Wherever it is in the world that you are, we appreciate you raising your health IQ with us. This is episode 35 of season four, number 230 overall. And today's show, it is all about helping you lose weight. It's about helping you drop those excess pounds and picking up a healthier you. Dr. Vanita Rahman is here to answer your questions when we open up the doctor's mailbag on this special edition of The Exam Room Live, including a great question about calorie counting. Do we still need to do it if we're eating a plant-based diet? We're going to find out when calories still count in just a little bit. Other great questions in the mailbag today. How is the fat that's found in nuts different from the fat that's found in meat and in dairy? And what are the best breakfast foods when it comes to weight loss? What should we be turning to first thing in the morning? And what foods can help end those junk food cravings? We all get those when we try to improve our health, right? The junk food cravings, how can we deal with that? And then what is the best way to lose weight and to keep it off for good? So you never have to worry about those pounds coming back. We're going to get into that as well, answer those questions and so many others as we unlock the secrets to weight loss right here on The Exam Room. Let's get this weight loss party started right now and try to make ourselves a little bit healthier today. Raise our health IQs. Dr. Rahman is here in the house. Thank you so very much for being here with us. Uh, Thanks for having me, Chuck. It's always great to be on your program. I know you rushed right over from the Barnard (laughs) Medical Center. You have had quite the busy morning and you moved heaven and earth to be here. So I thank you. And I know a lot of people who are watching and listening to this right now are also very grateful. My pleasure. Thank you, Chuck. Well, let's open up that doctor's mailbag and take our first question from Johnny. He writes, the idea of not counting calories is a little bit confusing since some plant foods like avocados and nuts, they still have quite a bit of calories. So when should we still be keeping track of calories and when can we forget all about it? Yeah. So, you know, it's a little bit confusing. I know for people, uh, because you hear so many different types of dietary advice and what works, what doesn't, when do you count carbs? When do you count calories? So let's really simplify this. You know, I tell people if you're looking to lose weight or keep it off or improve your health, Think of this large basket of food on your kitchen table, and you're going to select food from there. So what goes in that basket is the key. Lots of fresh fruits, uh, vegetables, whole grains like quinoa and oats and millets and brown rice and whole wheat products. 
and then legumes and lentils. Now, if we select from those, uh, you know, we don't necessarily have to sit there and count calories. And the reason being all of these foods are really high in fiber. They're naturally low in fat. So their caloric density is low and that fiber just fills us up. So, you know, if you've had an apple, you know, you can only eat one, maybe two apples before you're really full. And that's because of the fiber in it. So you don't need to sit there and count how many apples you're eating. Um, where the confusion does come in is with some of these higher fat foods that are plant-based like avocados or nuts and seeds or olives. Now, if you're looking to lose weight or lower your blood sugar, you may want to minimize the use of those foods. So, you know, depending on where you are in your journey, reducing that can be extremely helpful. But for the other things that I talked about, the nutrition profile is so good, the caloric density is so low that we really don't have to worry about counting calories. Let's stick on the fat tip here. Interesting question from Shotzi. That's a cool name too. Shotzi writes, does the body hold on to the fat that is found in nuts and seeds and as you say, olives, the same way that it would from say a fatty hamburger? Yeah, well, to some extent, they are different. So while those plant-based foods like olives, avocados, um, and nuts and seeds are also high in fat, it's a dip, different kind of fat. It's mostly unsaturated fat. Uh, this is in contrast to the fat that's found in beef or even poultry or even fish, where they can, or especially dairy, which can be a significant amount of saturated fat. And saturated fat raises our cholesterol levels and increases our risk for cardiovascular disease, whereas polyunsaturated fat or monounsaturated fat, less likely to do so. But the other difference is, any of those animal foods have no fiber. So let me just be clear about that. Animal foods never have any fiber in them. So we're looking at a food that's mostly fat and protein. Its caloric density is going to be pretty high. Whereas those plant-based foods, even if they're higher in fat, like nuts, seeds, avocados, olives, they still have some fiber in them. So their caloric density is lower. And that can help make a difference when we're looking to lose weight. The... Uh, the other thing that I should say about this is, you know, we know from research that when people eat a plant-based diet, the amount of calories they burn after they eat the food, processing that food, digesting it, absorbing it, that requires a certain caloric expenditure by our body. And that goes up with plant-based foods compared to animal-based foods. You know, it's not a whole lot. It's about 15%, but it's still significant um, because meal after meal, it adds up uh, to some significant uh, calories being burned, just processing and absorbing that food. Let's see if we can get some help for vegan trials. Uh, they write, I'm three days in and hoping to stay on track this time. Do you have any tips for processed food cravings when we're just getting going on this plant-based diet? Yeah. So processed foods, you know, it's, it's processed in a way to make it addictive, really. You know, it's a rich in added fat, added sugar, or added salt. All of those things are what our bodies, you know, can easily get hooked on. And the food industry knows this. So this is why they process it a certain way. Uh, you know, nobody ever complains about being hooked on broccoli or cauliflower, but um, maybe potato chips or French fries or, or nuggets. So it just depends what it is for everyone. It's a little bit different. 
Um, you know, I would say think about what it is that you're craving and think about suitable alternatives. So, for example, if chips, you're craving something savory, crispy, crunchy, um, you know, maybe instead of fried chips, opt for baked tortilla chips or bake your own pita chips. And if you're craving um, some kind of a cheesy dip to dunk those chips in, try salsa or try a creamy black bean dip. And when I say creamy, it doesn't have to be high in fat. It's just black beans themselves are creamy. Or try a hummus dip. So it's always start with what you're craving and then see what can I substitute that will be just as tasty but so much healthier for me. And can I throw in a little nugget here from my own personal experience when I was dealing with these cravings that can just be atrocious? I feel so badly for anybody that really is going through this detox off of the processed food. One of the things that really helped me out, and, and maybe you can comment on this as well, is just kind of accepting the fact that the craving is there, right? So you accept the fact that it's happening, and it's not necessarily going to be the most pleasant thing in the world. But if you accept the fact that you're going through it, some for some reason, it just becomes easier to deal with. And then that brings the recognition that if you don't give into this temptation, if you don't give into this craving, you're going to come out the health, uh, the, the other side much healthier. And you're going to have almost a sense of pride at, that you were able to do that. And you're going to prove to yourself that you can do it. I think that that's also the most important thing. So you know that that craving is going to last for a few minutes. Just ride that out and get through it and know that it's much better to deal with this three, even 15 minutes, an hour, however long your craving lasts. It's just easier to deal with it for that time than giving in and feeling regret um, for a much larger length of time. Yeah. You know, that's such an important point, Chuck, is to set yourself up with reasonable expectations. You know, that cravings will be there um, and then do the best we can to prepare for them and accept that they'll be uncomfortable. And, but if we can get through that initial discomfort, then the next time it won't be as uncomfortable. And the, the discomfort really goes down and our brain is no longer craving those foods. Absolutely. It's, it's very similar to quitting smoking. Over time, the cravings just go away. As your taste buds change, you no longer want that stuff. It's pretty incredible uh, the way that the, the mind and the body work together in unison on that. It is, it is really fascinating science. Um, let's jump down to a question from Marilyn. She's a breakfast person, wants to know, can you tell us some good breakfast foods to eat? Oh my gosh, where do I begin? <laughs> so many. It depends what you like, Marilyn. So everyone's a little different. A simple, easy one are oats. You can top them with your favorite fruit. You can make them overnight so you don't even have to cook in the morning. Overnight oats are great. They have a rich, creamy texture in the morning. Um, if you're craving something a little bit more sophisticated, something a little bit you know, more interesting than oats, how about a waffle? You can make a whole grain waffle. And we do this in my home a lot. We make the batter ahead of time. And then it's so easy. In 10 minutes in the morning, you have this gourmet waffle with berries, and it's delicious and nutritious. Uh, you can do the same thing with pancakes or crepes even, or one of my favorites, scrambled tofu with whole grain toast, um, or try a breakfast quesadilla or burrito. So there are so many great options out there. Uh, one of the staples in breakfast foods or breakfast in general is juice, whether it's orange juice or apple juice, whatever the case may be. Sasha writes in, though, I've heard that drinking a lot of juice and even soda can make you gain weight. Is that true? 
Yeah. So let's clarify why that is. So when we let's first of all, let's differentiate between fruits and juice, because this is where the confusion comes in. If I take an orange and I eat it, so the orange has fiber in it, it has some starch in it, it has some sugar in it, which naturally makes it sweet. It has lots of vitamin C and other nutrients. So a, a medium sized orange, pretty filling. Now if I were to throw that into a citrus press and squeeze the juice out, what essentially happens is we get all the water, fruits are about 90% water. So we get that water and we get the sugar that's found in it, but guess what we don't get? We don't get any of the fiber that's left behind and we lose many other nutrients too. So while an orange might feel filling, if I take the same juice and press it into juice, I'll probably get just a few ounces and that won't be as filling. So the problem is to fill a cup of, uh, to fill a cup with orange juice, we need to press about three, four oranges to get enough juice. So now what we're doing is we're getting all the sugar from three to four oranges and the water, but we're not getting any of the fiber. Had we eaten the orange, we would have gotten the fiber too and maybe not needed as much, um, as many oranges. So, that's the issue with oranges versus orange juice. And the same goes with any fruit, really. Um, juice is just a concentrated drink of sugar and water, essentially. Even though that's natural sugar, it's still sugar. Now, soda is something different where we still have water with lots of added sugar. Here, it's not natural sugar. It's juice that's been added artificially, along with all sorts of chemicals in it. So there's really nothing nutritious in there. There's no fiber, there are no vitamins, there are no minerals. There's nothing of any benefit to us. It's just sugar and water. So it can lead to weight gain because it's not a nutritious snack. It's just a very high caloric density snack. You use the word, uh, speaking of juice, you use the word concentrate. But if you look at the labels on a lot of these juices, it always says not from concentrate. Is that just clever marketing? Yeah. So what they mean is they haven't dried, they haven't taken that juice, dried it out, removed some of the water, concentrated it, and then sold you in a frozen container for you to add water at home. I mean, it doesn't really matter, you know, it, and it may say 100% natural or no sugar added, but it's still just sugar and water. That's why most people recommend avoid the fruit juice, but definitely enjoy the fruits. Let's take a question here from June. Uh, she writes, I consume a lot of soy. Can you eat too much of it? Is it calorically dense? Yeah, it's a good question, June. You know, if you look at the nutrition profile of soy, um, is soy is a type of legume like beans and lentils. Now, soy is a little bit different in that it does have a much higher amount of fat than the other legumes do. Um, and it has less fiber than other legumes do. It's still very high in protein like the other legumes are. So if you enjoy soy, that's great. Soy has a lot of health benefits. It has phytoestrogens that are helpful for our health for men and women. It's very filling. It's satisfying. It, it can be used in all sorts of recipes. It's very versatile. Um, can you overeat soy? Most people I don't think can because if you had soy, you know it's pretty filling. And so after a while, we naturally stop. I would recommend, though, if you're having soy, avoid fried soy, so avoid fried tofu, but have steamed tofu. Edamame is great. It has a bit more fiber than tofu does. And lastly, if you do feel that maybe you are 
sort of stuck in a weight loss plateau or you're not able to lose the weight, then maybe replace some of that soy with other legumes, which will have a lower caloric density. Let's stick kind of on that theme. Uh, We have one here from Pat who wants to know, uh, you were talking about a weight loss plateau. Pat is writing and says, I think I'm doing the right thing, but I keep gaining weight. What should I do? Yeah, Pat, you know, first of all, you know, my heart goes out to you. I think um, I can speak for myself and maybe others, any of us who've tried to lose weight and then regain it. It's so frustrating. You lose it and it comes back. Um, It can be so disheartening and demoralizing. But um, it's really important to not give up and stay the course because um, some dietary changes can make all the difference. So first, if you're not able to get the weight loss results you want, first make sure it's all plant-based. You know, plant-based foods are naturally lower in calories, lower in fat. They have a high fiber content. And then second, if you are plant-based, try to limit it to the healthier plant base. So all those fruits, vegetables, legumes, whole grains, replace the refined grains with whole grains. They're more filling. Avoid fried foods, avoid oils, um, you know, avoid maybe some of the processed vegan foods like the vegan meats or cheeses. While they are better for the animals in the environment, they do have a high caloric density, so they could promote weight gain. And then lastly, really be mindful of some of those high fat foods that we talked about, like nuts, seeds, olives, and avocado. Just talked about plateau. Now let's talk about weight regain. Question from Michelle. I've lost weight and gained it back more times than I can count. No matter what I do, I just can't stay thin. How much of this is genetics? I've heard that the body is programmed to crave fat and store it away. Yeah, again, you know, I'm sorry you're going through this. You know, I've been through that. I know, Chuck, you've been through that. You gain, you lose the weight, you regain it, and then some, and it's just so, so hard. Um, But to your question, how much of that is genetic? And this is where we have good news. For the majority of people, it is not genetic. So this is good. This means that, you know, we're not destined to stay at this weight, that we can change it. Um, And then the other part about, Is our body programmed to be addicted to certain foods? Well, we do know that certain food items um, or certain types of foods do create a pleasure zone in our brain. They trigger the pleasure zone. So we do crave them over and over again. And, you know, the three ingredients that do this more than anything is salt, sugar, and fat. So the food industry knows this. They really try to put a fair amount of that in food. And then when we consume it, that feels so good, we keep wanting it. But the good news is we can break that cycle. You know, as Chuck was saying, knowing that it'll be hard, but if you have alternatives handy, while there will be some discomfort initially with cravings, within a few weeks, you'll see the cravings go down drastically. Question from Naomi. For a woman, 1,200 calories is recommended for weight loss, but what if we are active and working out during the day? Would our bodies need more calories? Yeah, 1,200 seems like a pretty low calorie amount, but let me also say everyone's caloric needs are different. You know, depends on your height, depends on which weight you want to be at, depends on your activity level, depends on what else is going on with you all day long. Uh, you know, different part phases of our life or caloric needs change. But 
I think I would just focus on if you are heading where you need to head, then your caloric intake is probably okay. If you're losing weight at a rate that feels comfortable and sustainable, that's good. If you're losing weight at a really high rate, um, you know, maybe you've reduced your caloric dense, uh, intake a bit too much. Or if you feel you're not losing weight, then maybe revisit that. But I would say 1200 would be pretty low for most people. Judy, here's a question you probably get in the clinic quite a bit. Judy writes, what are your thoughts on intermittent fasting? Is it good for long-term health and weight management when combined with a whole food plant-based diet? She adds that she's read that it decreases insulin levels and that the body burns fat after it uses up glycogen. Yeah, so Judy, this is a really active area of research right now. And we've had some conflicting research. A study came out. Um, a year ago, uh, that showed that there was no difference um, between intermittent fasting and just regular intake. Other studies have shown that it can be helpful. You know, I would say the most important thing right now is to try to eat a low-fat, healthy, plant-based diet. And then if you want to throw intermittent fasting on there as a bonus and that works for you, there's certainly no harm in doing it. But if you are doing it, um, it's important to do it correctly. And what that means is limit your food intake in the second half of the day, not the first half. So, you know, if you're going to stop eating, you want to stop eating earlier in the day and then not eat until the next day, as opposed to stopping later in the day and then starting your um, consumption much later in the day. Let's take a question from Tabitha. Does someone who is overweight, menopausal, and suffering from PCOS need to limit their starch intake? That's what I'm being told. Yeah, well, you know, we have lots of research showing that a high starch, high carb diet is healthy for us. And, you know, we've seen this with diabetes. We've seen this with heart disease. Um, You know, when we're talking about a whole food plant-based diet, we are talking about a diet that's high in carbs and starch. So, about 75% of our calories will be coming from carbohydrates. Uh, and most of those will come from starch. So starch is really not the problem. You know, unfortunately, starch and carbs get vilified a lot, but it's really not the issue. The issue really has is much more complex. We want to look at the amount of saturated fat in our diet. We want to look at the quality of the fat in our diet, how much fat we're getting, and also if we're getting protein from healthier sources like plants. Uh, Losing weight, one of the best benefits of that is lowering cholesterol along with it. So we take a question now from Gina who writes, I'm one month into a plant-based diet and wondering if there's anything else I can do to get my cholesterol under control. Well, first of all, Gina, you're on the right track by switching to a plant-based diet. Uh, Now, I would say within plant-based too, make sure you avoid, there are a few plant-based foods that are high in saturated fat. Um, They're called the so-called tropical fats. So that's coconut, um, palm oil. So avoid shredded coconut or coconut oil, definitely. And I hate to break it to you, chocolate too. Chocolate is high in saturated fats. If you crave chocolate, replace solid chocolate with cocoa powder where the fat content goes way down. Now, so that's the diet. But then let's not forget other things are also beneficial in lowering cholesterol. Regular physical activity is important. Quitting smoking is extremely important too. So really all of these things together work to help lower our cholesterol. 
Let's get real nerdy here with nutrition. This is a question from Joel. What macros should we aim for in order to lose weight on a plant-based diet? Are there specific ones to target or is it just focus more on that whole food plant-based diet and everything kind of falls into place? Yeah. So I, I assume what you're asking is which macronutrients. So when we talk about nutrition, we're talking about macronutrients or micronutrients. Macronutrients are... Uh, food substances that give us calories and they are the predominant source of calorie in our diet. So we're talking about carbs, fat, and protein. Uh, micronutrients are things like vitamins and minerals that we need just a little bit of, but they don't provide any calories. Um, in all the re in most of the research that was done by Dr. Dean Ornish or Dr. Esselstein or Dr. Barnard, uh, most of those research studies, the macronutrient composition was about 75% of the calories came from carbohydrates, about 10 to 15% from protein, and then about 10% from fat. That's generally the portfolio we're going for. So, But if you're sticking with a whole food plant-based diet, more than likely you're going to meet that without necessarily counting it out. Do you get a lot of questions from patients asking about specifically belly fat? I know that, that that's a big target for a lot of people. We have a question from Jell uh, who wants to know what they can do to, in fact, lose belly fat. Is there anything specific that you can do to target one area? Yeah. So for uh, so a little perspective on this, we know that when we carry excess body weight, it deposits differently for everybody. Um, but two basic patterns emerge. Some people tend to deposit it first in their belly and upper body, um, and then others deposit it in their hips and thighs. So I kind of like to call them, you know, apple-shaped if it's going to your belly and chest, and then pear-shaped if it's going to your hips and thighs. But why does this matter? It's not just a cosmetic issue. We know that for reasons that aren't completely clear, belly fat is much more likely to cause mischief with our cardiometabolic health than fat in the hips and thighs. So belly fat is more likely to lead to elevations in blood sugar or increase the risk for cardiovascular disease. So it's naturally been a, a, of great interest to figure out how can we specifically target belly fat? Well, you know, our body's much more complex. We can't dictate where to deposit fat or where to remove it. And it really, the if you have belly fat, it is important to minimize it. And really the best way to minimize it is by reducing our body weight, lowering that BMI. And sometimes that can even mean, you know, your BMI may be in the normal range, but if you have belly fat, it may need to go further down that spectrum, even though officially it's under 25. Peter, Peter doesn't want to be a potato chip eater. Here's his question. What are some healthy grab and go snacks that we can buy in a store that aren't fruits or vegetables? My 7-Eleven doesn't have anything fresh and I'm trying to stay healthy. Ah, well, good for you, Peter, for, for trying. And, you know, it is definitely challenging when you're going into a convenience food store because the way they stock foods is foods that are easier to stock. They have a long shelf life, so they may not carry fresh fruits and veggies, which are obviously one of the healthiest snacks. Um, but you could still probably find some reasonably healthy snacks in a 7-Eleven, although they may never be quite the same as you might get in other places. So, um, you know, if you're craving something salty or crunchy instead of potato chips or other fried snacks, maybe go for pretzels. And even better if you can find ones with reduced salt or sodium in it. The other thing I was even thinking was 
you know, even in a 7-Eleven, you can always find like whole grain bread or a nut butter or jelly. You can always make yourself a PBJ if you're in a bind that's still healthier than, say, a cheeseburger or hot dog, um, which are usual, usually what's available. Now, here's a question that a few people are wondering right now. It's, it's happening in the chat room. They're just wondering about weight gain in general during the pandemic. Obviously, people are staying home, naturally a little bit more sedentary. So what are some things that people can start to do to lose that COVID-19 as it's been proclaimed? Yeah, you know, I think all of us have sort of fallen into that. And for a variety of reasons, we're working from home. Food is readily accessible. Um, you know, when we take a break, we find ourselves just reaching for it. And at the same time, we're moving less. You know, when we were in the office, we'd have to walk a few more steps and those steps add up. And some people may not be going to the gym or exercising outdoors. So uh, one thing you can do is keep your house stocked with healthier options. So when you do have that break and you're reaching for snacks, it's something healthy. If there's, you know, it's best to leave those unhealthy foods out because if they're not in the house, they're not going to make their way onto your plate. Mm, That is a crucial tip right there. Out of sight, out of mind. What are some of the foods that I guess you, you won't keep in the house? For me, it's peanuts. I cannot have them here unless I go through them like nobody's business. What are some of the more difficult ones for you? Uh, you know, for me, it's chocolate, um, mm. especially chocolate chips uh, or any kind of chocolate, really. I love chocolate. So if it's in the house, I'll take a little, a little, a little becomes a lot. And then before I know it, it's all gone. Um, so I've learned just to not have it in the house. So I keep cocoa powder instead. Yeah, I think that that's a that's a such a good tip, especially like if you're going to make a, a smoothie or something like that, you can just throw a couple scoops of that mm-hmm. cocoa powder in there and that satisfies the old sweet tooth. Yes. Interesting question here from Liz wants to know how fiber affects the absorption of fat in the body. Is there any correlation between the two? Uh, So there is. So let's talk about how fiber and fat are sort of interlinked. There are two things. Generally speaking, foods that are high in fiber are low uh, in fat and foods that are high in fat are low in fiber. So for example, if we look at you know, like red meat or dairy uh, or even fish or poultry, really high levels of fat and no fiber to speak of. On the other hand, if we look at fruits and vegetables or legumes, they're really high in fiber and very low in fat. Um, So they tend to move in opposite directions for one thing. The other is when we consume fiber in our diet, uh, think of fiber as these like insoluble strands Um, that are in our stomach and intestines, and they have no calories, but they slow down the rate at which we absorb nutrients. So uh, when we have a high fiber meal, the amount of uh, carbs, protein, and fat, the rate at which they're absorbed is much slower. So rather than going up and coming down, they go up gradually, and they stay that way for a while. And that's important because that keeps us feeling full for a much longer period of time. And so we're less likely to eat soon after that meal. You know, we have not touched too much on except for that one question about being sedentary uh, during the pandemic here is the importance of exercise when trying to lose weight. Uh, We have a question here from Debbie wants to know, uh, she says, I've made the change to a plant based diet and I'm experiencing many health benefits. If I'm still working on weight loss, though, is it true that a 50-50 strength training and cardio regimen will help? Is that is that the balance there? 
Well, I think it's great, Debbie, that you're trying to mix cardio with strength training. Um, I know, especially for women, we often don't focus on strength training, but it's so important. So I tell people, try to get, you know, two or three days of cardio, a couple of days of strength training, and then maybe a day of yoga or Tai Chi, something with flexibility and balance. And strength training can be lifting weights or it can be using your own body weight as resistance, like doing push-ups or ab workouts or doing Pilates type moves. But it's good to do a combination for several reasons with cardio. People often think of that as the best way to burn calories, but strength training burns calories too. And then as you build muscle, muscles burn calories more effectively. Um, So it's important to do a combination. There you go. All right, let's grab two more really quickly. Uh, question from Natasha. This is one I think a lot of people are going to get some good help on. What else is important on a nutrition label other than fat and calories? What do you look at the most? Wow. You know, Natasha, really great question. And first of all, kudos to you for looking at the nutrition label. Um, <laughs> it's so important. You know, I think it's important to look at the whole thing. Um, What is the serving size? How many calories in a serving? Um, How much fat is in a serving? That's really important. Um, And then look at how much protein is in it, just so you have a sense. Uh, But the one that people often forget to look at is how much fiber is in it. Um, You know, most people aren't getting enough fiber in their food, so it should have some fiber in it. And then uh, the other one that's really important is to look at the amount of sodium in your food. So ideally, a serving size of food should not have more sodium than calories. If it does, we're going to consume more sodium than we need. So aim for foods that have um, less sodium than calories so that that keeps our blood pressure lower because we know that most Americans get about 50% more sodium than they should. And let's wrap this up with a follow-up question to the intermittent fasting we were talking about earlier. Sandy wants to know, for weight loss, does it help to have a hearty lunch and a lighter dinner? Traditionally, it's the other way around. So she says she's just curious. Yeah. So Sandy, this, you know, this is exactly the spirit of intermittent fasting is you shift your calories to earlier parts of the day. So more at breakfast, a little bit less at lunch, and then even less at dinner or no dinner. So that's sort of the spirit of it. Now, if you can do that, if that works for your lifestyle, then that would be preferable rather than uh, no breakfast, medium dinner, and a uh, medium lunch and large dinner. Let's reverse that. More breakfast, less lunch, and even less for dinner. Yeah, I'm all on board with that more breakfast plan. Breakfast is the, like that is the best meal of the day by far. Bring on breakfast all day, every day. Uh, let's go ahead and close up that doctor's mailbag. If we did not get to your question today, have no fear. We will save it and do our best to get you an answer on an upcoming episode. And if you're really keen on learning about weight loss and taking control of your health, Dr. Rahman, I know that you have a very exciting 12-week plant-based weight loss program starting up next month. Yeah, really excited about this, Chuck. We are launching a new program on May 15th. It'll go for 12 weeks. Uh, We're going to meet every Saturday uh, from noon to 1.15 Eastern time, and it'll be through Zoom meeting. And, you know, the spirit behind it is really 
when we've done research studies or others have done, um, people have had very successful outcomes. And one of the reasons they do so well, it's not just the diet, it's the group dynamic. They get to meet, they get support, they learn valuable tips, and they're able to stay on track. So if they run into an obstacle, they're not dealing with it alone. So they don't give up, they bring it to the group and the group handles it with them. And so we're trying to simulate that by having this weekly program and it's 12 weeks, it's really great. And people just feel so connected to one another and they don't feel alone in their journey anymore. And the thing that I like about it is that each week is designed with a different theme. It has a different topic to tackle in this weight loss journey that they're going to go on. And and not just hearing from doctors and dietitians and experts in that arena, you're also going to be hearing from people who have been through it themselves. Um, I'm speaking, I believe, in early June, but you're kicking things off with an, another woman who has been a, a guest on this show, has a just incredible story. Stephanie Ignafo, how important is it to you for people to hear from others who have already walked that path? Oh, I think it's extremely important. You know, I think um, sometimes it can feel like when people are struggling, they can think, oh, all these people that had successes, they, they don't know what it's like or something miraculous happened for them. It won't happen for me. But it's important to know that, you know, we've all been there. I've been there. You've been there, Chuck. And Stephanie and Mark Ramirez will join us. He's been there. You know, it's important to know that we all start with the same struggles and we all find our way forward, but it's never easy, but it's oh so worth it. Yeah. How cool is that moment when you realize that you don't have to be Superman or Superwoman to lose weight? You don't need these superpowers and you actually already have all of the tools that you need to be successful and to lead that healthier life in a newer, healthier body. You know, that is probably the coolest thing of the entire journey is just discovering just how powerful you can be in terms of taking charge of your own health. Yeah, absolutely. I think too often when people are trying to work towards a goal and not getting there, they think it's just never going to happen for them. You know, it's something, it's not for me. I should just give up. Um, but it's really not. It's sometimes it's just having the right tools, having the right guidance, you know, having the right inspiration can make all the difference. You're going to be talking about a lot of the, the great things. So we covered some of them on the program today. You're going to be doing a much deeper dive uh, during the uh, the 12 weeks here, food labels and meal planning. You're also going to get into the low carb versus high carb debate. And this is one that I absolutely love. And I wish we could do every show just centered <laughs> around carbs because they're such a hot topic and they're so hotly debated. But I just love the fact that you're going to teach people that not all carbs are created equally. This is so important. A carb is not just a carb. There's so much more that goes into it. Absolutely. Really, each week is a different topic with just valuable information. Food addiction, emotional eating, protein, mindful eating, water weight, exercise, so many great topics. And right now, if you register by April 30th, you will save $50. So sign up today, save $50, get in there and lead that healthier future, my friend. PCRM.org slash weight loss program. Dr. Rahman, thank you so very much for your time and, and bestowing some wisdom with us here today and helping people get a little bit healthier. Oh, thank you, Chuck. Always good to be here. Join us every Wednesday on Facebook and on YouTube for the Exam Room Live. Love those Q&As because they are the best opportunity for you to ask the doctor your question.
And if you can't join us live, you can also tweet it to me or find me on Instagram at Chuck Carroll WLC. Just make sure that when you send the question, you use the hashtag exam room live. And again, if you would like to register for Dr. Rahman's 12-week plant-based weight loss program, you can find a link to do that right now in the episode notes. And I will be speaking there on the fourth week of the program. That's Saturday, June 5th, and would definitely love to have you join us. So why are we talking about weight loss today? For so many reasons, way more than just looking good and feeling good. It's about getting healthy. It's about living longer and being able to spend as much quality time with your loved ones as possible, making the most of the time that we do have while we're here. And carrying excess weight, well, that is something that so many of us struggle with. And it's also something that can put a damper on those plans for your golden years. Heck, it can put a damper on your plans for today. I was looking at some new numbers that were published by the CDC recently, taking a look at the leading causes of death in 2020. And even with the pandemic, which claimed nearly 350,000 lives to COVID-19 last year, 350,000 lives were lost. Even with that, heart disease was still by far and away the leading cause of death. Almost twice as many people died from heart disease than from COVID-19. Heart disease last year claiming more than 690,000 lives. And one of the leading causes of heart disease? Obesity. And we now have the power to do something about it. You have the power to do something about it if you are ready to take control of your health. And it may not always be easy, but it doggone sure is always worth it. One of the things that I'm going to be talking about at Dr. Rahman's program is the fear of giving up some of these foods that we love so much because we've built a relationship with them, right? They are our best friend at times, in good times and in bad, when we're happy, when we're sad. The fact of the matter is the food has always been there for us. And a lot of times we can't imagine living life without it. In my case, and in a lot of other cases as well, it also has to go to food addiction. But the cool thing about this is just like any breakup, and believe you me, this is a breakup. Time heals all wounds. What I mean by that is that the cravings for these foods will subside with time. The longer you go without them, the easier it becomes to leave them in the rearview mirror and keep right on driving into that healthier future. So let's help people get there. Let's help get this information that they need to fuel up for this car ride that we call life. And let's help save a life. Let's do that today. And one of the easiest ways that you can do that is just by subscribing to the exam room by the Physicians Committee on Apple Podcast or wherever shows are available. And when you do subscribe, please also leave a five-star rating because the more new subscriptions and five-star ratings we get, the easier it becomes for people who need this information the most to discover it and ride on into that healthier future. So hit that subscribe button and leave a five-star rating and help somebody lead a healthier life.
And for today, that's going to do it. I want to say thank you one more time to the wonderful Dr. Vanita Rahman for joining us. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based. <laughs>